Hello, and welcome back to the Coger Center Arts Roundup podcast. Today, we will be interviewing Aldrich Morton, an MFA student at the University of South Carolina, whose final exhibit was scheduled to be in the McMaster Gallery this spring. The exhibit can now be enjoyed virtually through the University of South Carolina's School of Visual Art and Design at svadprojects.com slash McMaster-Gallery. The McMaster Gallery hosts rotating exhibitions and programming that examine cultural and social contexts, challenge contemporary perception of art making, and provide a framework for intellectual and creative inquiry. If you would like to view the McMaster Virtual Gallery, the link will be included in the description of this podcast. Aldrich Morton is a graduating Master of Fine Arts student at the University of South Carolina. It's very cool that the final MFA projects for the McMaster Gallery are up online, and which means that people can look at them from afar. And with us today on the Coger Center Arts Roundup podcast is Aldrich himself to talk a little bit more about his gallery pieces and what the process has been like of having to turn this exhibit into a virtual exhibit online. Aldrich, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. So you've, your exhibition is entitled Empathetic Translation. It's now on the McMaster Virtual Gallery. But from the photos I see online, it looks like you all have also hung them on the walls in the gallery itself. Is that true? Uh, yes. Uh, I think there's a combination of some Photoshopped uh, images along with some of the some gallery pieces um, being hung on the wall. I had the opportunity, um, I'm from Greenwood, South Carolina, and I had the opportunity to go to the local museum and they have a gallery uh, upstairs. And since no one was able to visit, they allowed me to hang my show on the wall and at least just for documentation purposes and uh, to have it up so I could see everything together. One of the questions I wanted to ask is, what are the challenges like for doing a virtual exhibit versus an in-person exhibit? And what are the positives that you get out of being able to do it this way instead of uh, the more traditional way in the uh, School of Visual Art and Design? Well, beforehand, it seemed as though everyone, but it makes sense, everyone um, was able to put their work up. They were given a space, you know, it was, it was provided for them. And I personally have never, I'm just getting back into the art world and I have never looked for my own place to, you know, put my art. And uh, I think that's, it, it helped me in the long run because I now kind of understand some of the logistics of how to call people, how to, you know, send work and, transport transport work and everything so it it definitely was i was able to build a, a skill that i didn't have but it was def, it was certainly difficult because i had never done it before so trying to find a place especially when everything was shutting down that was difficult because not many places were allowing people to come in so for me you know find that that space it was certainly uh struggle up so you were able to get both the experience of creating a virtual exhibit, but then the much needed life experience of 
how to curate and put stuff up on the wall because you found this gallery space that allowed you to put stuff up while they were closed. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. exactly. Did you find that because this uh, end of year thesis exhibits went virtual, you were able to say include more works of art than you might have otherwise had you had to put it up you know, at McMaster? No, the so they prep us beforehand. They tell us this is the gallery space that you have to fill. So we need you to make uh, enough, if not more, to fill the gallery. So the work, I kind of mapped it out in my head and we have little small mock-ups of the dimensions of the gallery and they give it to each of the grad students. So I had an idea about how much work it would take. Um, I wasn't able to fill that certain gallery space that I was allowed to put my work in. I wasn't able to fill it in the way that I wanted to because I was going to install some extra things to go along with the work um, so everything would tie together. But uh, the work that I had, I think it would have filled the gallery space properly, if, if that's the right word, but I think it would have filled it in a way that you know I would have been pleased. How long does it take you to complete the quantity of work for an exhibit like this? When, when did you start on this particular exhibition? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I started probably last September, October, because they kept pushing me to, to do more and add more and try new things. One of my weaknesses is, like, branching out. It took me a long time to find that nice space into which I could make my work. Um, you know, I had my friend Robert, uh, he was the ceramicist and Robert, you know, he had his medium and Kayla is painting and she had her medium and I think she incorporated some other things, but I was strictly drawing and I was trying to find more ways to push my drawing, but also, you know, not take away from the drawing that I wanted to, 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 depict and show on the work. Um, I used a lot of collage and everything, and it took me, honestly, I started probably in January, the end of January, and it clicked. It finally clicked. I don't know why it finally clicked then, but I gave myself two weeks per project or per image. Sometimes it ran over, sometimes it was a little short, so it kind of worked out, but it was wake up, make art every single day that, you know, if I had five minutes, that was five minutes that I needed to at least touch my work, so. One of the things I noticed is there's a subsection of your exhibit, the one minute series, which seems to be a little bit different than the pieces that are, the lead pieces in the exhibit on the virtual website uh, right. gallery. Um, can you tell us more about that? And was that sort of a part of the process of figuring out which direction, where you were going with this, you know, your art, your exhibit? Yes. The one minute series is, it's kind of where my comfort zone. Um, but what I noticed with the one minute series, it was supposed to be quick conversations. You know, if you just met, met someone, hey, tell me something quick about yourself. Sometimes you get, you know, a silly, jokey answer. Sometimes, you know, you may get a slightly deeper answer. But 
it was one of those things where since my work was primarily portrait based, uh, that it was uh, it just felt right because I can quickly I can do those types. I think they were what not eight by eleven. I can do those quickly and and I mean within three hours I could probably have one of those done and it just went along with the theme of my work because the larger works I noticed that the more you know about someone the more that you the more contact that you have about their lives they kind of become that journey in your eyes so you don't just see you know a person in passing you see someone who has been through something you've seen someone's story their struggle their triumphs you see what they have gone through and the minute series it was basically showing a portrait with maybe just a little bit of information about that person so you focus more on the portrait but with larger works, the goal was to show the person, but I wanted to put so much information into it that you wanted to focus on the things and the environment that I placed the, the um, figures in. Well, I'm full of questions. Uh, I don't, I don't, don't know what order to ask them in. Um, one thing I'm curious about, so you, you consider all of these to be portraits, is that right? Uh, essentially, yeah, uh, they're, they're portraits in a sense, some are non-traditional portraits of uh, people that I have talked to, interviewed, and had conversations with. And I was going to—that was going to be my next question, which is, what the subjects for your portraits? How do you pick a subject? And are these people you know? Are these uh, any of these sort of famous people? Um, how do you decide on the on the subject? And how do you do you draw them live? Do you draw them from pictures? What's that process? So the first couple that I did, because it was another comfort zone for me, they were people that I knew. The first one that I, I did ever was the one that's titled Julia J. That one is actually about my grandmother, Julia. And I talked to her all the time. You know, I grew up with her. I used to live with her. It was just an easy conversation, even though because of her dementia, she had no clue why I was talking to her. It was just a good conversation. It was easy for me, and I was in my comfort zone. The second one, um, it was a guy that I knew. And the purpose of my work was to show someone's story so that you may connect with them on some level. So I knew eventually I would need to branch out because how could I ask people or try to encourage people to connect with others that they don't know if I didn't do it myself? Primarily, at first, they started off to be people that were at USC. Um, sometimes it would be a student. Sometimes it would be a peer um, or maybe like a fellow coworker. But eventually, I asked people, say, hey, like, do you have a friend who wouldn't mind me, you know, illustrating their story of their life? And, I mean, word of mouth and people, would, hey, can I do it? Can I do it? I mean, people would just walk up and say, hey, you're Aldrich, right? And I'm, I would say, yeah. And they're like, I heard that you were looking for people to, you know, um, put in artwork. And I think the idea of me drawing them was more fascinating than me actually having the interview. And then once I tied both of them together, once they saw what I was trying to do, it was a much bigger impact. But it was, it was hard trying to find people that I didn't know, uh, mainly because, you know, a stranger walking up to you asking, can I draw you? It's a little weird unless you're already in the art world, so. 
And do you draw them live while they're sitting for you, or do you take a photo, or is, or is this from memory? Uh, so it's a combination of all of those. <clears throat> so while I'm talking, sometimes I will try to quickly sketch or put down a maybe like a facial expression or like a certain body posture because that goes along with the whole conversation. There's a lot more information that you can get through a face-to-face -face interaction because over the phone or through text or, you know, an email or something, you can't see how somebody changes the way their, you know, how their face changes or their eyes look or, you know, a sudden twitch of an arm if they say something uncomfortable. So it's a lot of information that I try to capture. And uh, because uh, the way that I do work, I, I work from photos. So I have a one camera set up on a tripod that is facing them and I have a remote that will just take pictures um, at random and sometimes if I think I can capture a quick facial expression I might click the button myself and after I've done that then I'll go through and take pictures with my phone um, more posed and that way I, uh, I just like getting all the details of what somebody's face and just make sure that I capture everything properly. But it's sometimes it's those moments of when they're looking away or looking down, or even they might look up at you from after saying something to see or get your approval. I, I try to capture that as best as I can. It seems in some of the works you've got more than one person. Are, are those people related to each other? Uh, or is one of them your primary subject and the other one somebody who's significant in their life? Uh, how do you mix um, you know, multiple people in the work? So <clears throat> the, there's a few of the stories where there are two subjects and that subject is a part of their story. It's a big part of you know, what we talked about. And um, the, there are, I think, two works that are they ha it has two figures in there but it's the same person in uh, a different style or different light and there was only one conversation in which i actually talked to two different people at the same time and just to see them interact and talk because they knew each other but they didn't know me uh that was a different dynamic something that i do want to pursue in the future uh talking to two different people seeing how they interact and connect um the more the merrier these days, but with those figures, it typically was somebody in the story or it is them um, just drawn twice. And do you refer to these as collages? What, what is the style and, you know, in your description of what you would call the pieces, particularly the, your larger pieces? They are certainly collage. I didn't think I would like collage as much and and when I finally created a piece that I thought was successful, everything just felt right. So it's something I'm going to continue, but there's certainly collage. And in some of them, you've, you've integrated uh, thread. It looks like you're, you've sewn the canvas or the paper. Um, and instead of maybe um, gluing or painting uh, different layers together, it seems like maybe you've sewn different layers together. How did the thread come into this uh, your work of art? Oh, gosh. It was, it started off as a fluke. I made a, I made a piece and 
I think I got defeated while making that piece. It's not one that's included in my uh, my show, but at that point, I decided that I was just going to like try to make a cool pattern with thread. And the way that it turned out really excited me. So I thought about what it meant, you know, to put thread in a piece. And after talking with some people in my committee, it made sense because if I'm talking about connecting and bringing people together and bringing stories together and me personally connecting with these people, you know, the act of using thread and needle <clears throat> brings two pieces of material together. So it's just symbolic of one, me trying to connect and trying to uh, bring my life uh, to connect with someone else. And also it's a hint towards my grandmother. Uh, she was a big part of my life. And I remember days where I would stand there and she would make my clothes. She would make pants and shirts and things for me. And, you know, you stand on the stool and she'll take your measurements and pin stuff. But I would always play with the thread while she was sewing. So that's also just touching uh, kind of a sentimental thing for me just to keep as a reminder, like, you know, this is a big, that was a big part of my life. Is the background that you're for most of this paper or do you do this on canvas at all? I want to move into canvas, but it has been paper. Um, if you only knew how scared I have been to branch out <laughs> of my comfort zone, um, paper, I, I stick strictly to paper for now. But I think I could get uh, a lot of nice different textures and uh, looks from canvas. Uh, I think that it holds up a little better than my paper. Sometimes I've had some accidents with my work and I've had to kind of cover it up with something. So that's where collage came up, a little happy accident. But I mean, the end result, it worked out. You said at the very beginning, we were talking about doing this uh, on the wall in real life versus a virtual uh, a gallery space. You were talking about sort of tying all the works together. Were, were you thinking of, say, putting thread or collage pieces on the wall in between the different works of art in order to like turn it into one large thing? What, what kind of sort of tie together did you have in mind? That That's exactly it. Um, <clears throat> I had many ideas of how to present it, and there were talks of me potentially breaking some of my uh, frames and having my thread go from one piece to another. Um, but I, I did want to take some of my collage pieces and put it on the wall with it, tying, using string to tie some of the smaller pieces, the one minute series. I really want to work on that with that, um, with those because they're kind of bare in my opinion. So when I frame them, the way that I envisioned the thread would connect all of them in a way that I could spread them out to cover the wall. Um, but they wouldn't seem like just random blockers on the wall or random pieces that I just threw on the wall. You've got a very nice short, uh, description of your piece uh, online. Technology is a double-edged sword in today's world. It gives us access to more information than before. However, it has also damaged our ability to communicate with others. Words, phrases, emotions, intentions, and motivations are misinterpreted because we read things through the eyes of social media without gaining facts from the source. We have been trained to look at the surface of our surroundings 
and social media is a simple process of scrolling through images and bits of information quickly. My work is a constant attempt to inspire people to retrain themselves to investigate the information they take in, to gain deeper understanding. True understanding is a process of gaining enough knowledge to properly interact with the subject of interest. Breaking down those walls and building bridges to true understanding is my goal. Um, you did you start with this idea of um, sort of social media and technology, and that got you to this point, or did you sort of stumble across the um, you know the the similarities between taking snapshots and collaging them together in the real world versus um, you know scrolling through a you know a collage, if you will, of snapshots on social media? Uh, which sort of came first, the the style, uh, the, the concept for this exhibit, or did you start with the some sort of artistic concept in my mind and then it sort of came to you as you were working through the similarities between the two? It started off with the concept. I have always, always, always had a fascination with people, and that's in part would to do with my uh, my upbringing. I was raised on a farm, so there were not many people around. And so being in grad school and being kind of thrown into that graduate instructor position, I struggled to learn or to find a way to get my students to interact with me. And one thing that I noticed, especially with classes like drawing, uh, you know, if I give you an assignment, I show you, I give you a demonstration, this is how I want you to do it. A lot of my students would just pop headphones in their ear. They would be watching TV shows and listening to music and not really interacting. But I also had a few students who were actually art majors, and they didn't do that. They asked me questions. They talked about their work. They wanted to know where they can improve and I just noticed a difference in quality. And the more I kept teaching, the more I noticed that technology was really holding people back from talking to each other. I mean, there are so many people that, are, that live in this technology world that even like online gaming, you're at home sitting, you know, at, a, at your desk or any something playing video games, you can probably say whatever you want and you have no consequences, but when you get into a setting where like a classroom, if you say those things, somebody could be offended or, you know, so I noticed that people didn't know how to talk to each other. They knew how to talk to a screen. They knew how to type. They know how to text, but they can't form the words. They can't, you know, sh show their ideas just verbally and talking to someone. I mean, I would get no eye contact. So it really bothered me. Um, but Eventually, so I, I just said that y'all are so, I think I said it out loud in one of my classrooms, that y'all are so, how come you have so much to text and so much to email me, but when I ask you in person, you can't say anything? And one student said that, you know, he, he said it's kind of nerve-wracking talking to someone, you know, so it's easier to put it in, put it on uh, or convey what I'm trying to say through words. So... I've noticed just in the past, you know, my grandmother or my parents, they forced me to talk to people. They made me take public speaking classes and all of that. And 
it's easy for me to talk to people. It's easy for me to connect with people. And it's not so easy for a lot of the people who are younger than me to do that. And so one big thing was I wanted people to see that they are, that someone is one trying to understand them. They're listening and they're trying to understand because too many times I think we hear something or we see something on social media and, and a lot of people just run with it. They see an article and they say, okay, that's factual. And so they start spewing that information or they hear one negative thing about someone. And so they believe that. And I know that too many times that it's, it's not true. You know, so being able to, like I said, break those walls, that screen, get away from that screen and look someone in their face and just have a genuine conversation is very big for my work. So once I finally figured out that that's what I wanted to do, all of this kind of fell into place as I was working because, like I said, the, my committee pushed me to make more work, make different work, add more, add more. And so the more I kept adding, the more everything started to make sense and it just started to fall into place. You mentioned earlier that you grew up on a farm. When did you start your art career? Oh, gosh. Uh, I've always doodled. Um, it was a way for me to, you know, stay out of my grandparents' hair. So I've always doodled. But when I took it seriously, I it was my second semester at USC in undergrad. And... After taking one class, I just knew that this is, I wanted to work with my hands and I love being around people. I love the learning environment. There's something that excites me about the teaching and learning aspect of passing knowledge on. So I, everything just made sense and I really took it seriously. Probably my second semester at USC, which would be 2007, I think. And you, did you get an undergraduate degree in art then? Yes, I got my BFA from USC. And, you know, I know they encourage you to branch off and go to other places uh, for your master's. But based off of everything that was aligning in my life, it made more sense for me to go back to USC for my master's. What did you study as an undergrad in terms of art? Did they give you a more broad uh, range of artistic background, you know, education, do you study sculpture, ceramics, you know, other styles as well as uh, drawing? Actually, in undergrad, back then, they made me focus strictly on drawing. So every art class that I had was basically a drawing type class. I think we, I had maybe, a, you know, color and comp, just some basics that you had to get through. But it was primarily drawing. It wasn't until I got into the MFA program that I really branched out and started doing ceramics. I mean, it was the first time that I had touched ceramics and used a, a wheel and all of that. Uh, it was the first time that I tried paint, like to really try to paint. Um, but it gave me more freedom because one, I it wasn't a set track on how you graduate. It was what can help you get to that final destination in your MFA. So it gave me a more broad range and I was less scared to make mistakes or take a class that didn't necessarily go with drawing, but it still made sense in my body of work. And do you find that the, these other classes, these other styles really, do you incorporate what you learned in those classes into the work that you ultimately are showing? Yes. Uh, there are, 
a couple of processes like printmaking that I want to include in, you know, works in the future. But the things that I have learned, especially with collage, and then uh, we did bookmaking. So that kind of pushed the thread uh, into the works, but collage thread and painting, there are definitely some painting aspects in there, but I have tried to incorporate as much as possible because it's just important for me to try to tie everything that I know into all of my work. Um, it's just the same as I'm trying to tie myself in with everybody that I speak to. Well, we appreciate your time. It's a very impressive uh, exhibition. Uh, is there anything you'd like to tell us your experience as an MFA about this particular exhibit that you'd want people to know? I mean, this whole process was just probably one of the best things that ever happened in my life. It just opened up a lot of doors for me. So I wouldn't replace this experience uh, at all, even down to having to find my own gallery space and all that. I mean, it's just been a big eye opener and it's allowed for a lot of growth and it, with me and my work. So, you know, once I get to a point that I can refine everything like I want it to be, I think that I will have even more confidence about myself and my art and I'll be able to expand uh, to where I hopefully think that I can get to. But it's just been an amazing experience for me. All right, well, thanks again. Good luck out there. Stay safe. Thanks for your time. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to the Coger Center Arts Roundup. And a big thank you to Aldrich for joining us today. Aldrich's exhibit can be enjoyed virtually through the University of South Carolina School of Visual Art and Design at svadprojects.com slash McMaster-Gallery. For other virtual resources, please check out the Coger Center for the Arts website at CogerCenterForTheArts.com. The Coger Center Arts Roundup is produced in part by Garnet Media Group, the student media partnership at the University of South Carolina. Information about tickets and upcoming events can be found at CogerCenterForTheArts.com, the official website for Coger Center tickets. For more information about Garnet Media Group, visit garnetmedia.org.